With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Hey y'all, I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 20. That's right, the big 2-0. We have changed decades. That's right. We can almost drink. <laughs> Who are we kidding? We still want dessert. No drinks, just exactly. <laughs> so we have, not big news, but some shout outs to do. Yes, for Patreon. Y'all, thank y'all so much for being patrons and the merch orders and all of that like we this is so much fun yes we definitely feel blessed yes and the patreon is now known as the crepinati yes and we started a little separate facebook group for Mm -hmm. the people who are patrons who get the special lives and that sort of thing so pretty soon they'll get a little secret live Mm -hmm. we got some stuff in the works whoop whoop I don't know what that sound was. don't miss out. (laughs) All right. First up, Christy W. Thank you. Kimberly K. And Allie A. And we have Teresa B. Valerie W. Jessica W. And Lindsay W. www.com. <laughs> you the bomb.com. <laughs> Y'all, truly thank you. We didn't say last names because we had that conversation before and I was like, I don't know that we should. Yeah, sorry. If you want your last name, shout it out. Shout out at us and we'll do it back. Yeah, sorry. I wasn't sure. Yeah. We err on the side of caution Until with your we- names. Everything else, we just step over that line. I was going to say. Until Donna makes a serial killer joke. (laughs) But truly, y'all, thank you so, so, so much. Yes. I know we say that all the time, but we really are so thankful. Just one, that y'all listen. Mm -hmm. Two, that y'all are our creepsters. And then three, y'all actually support us with the money that you make. Like, we know that's a big deal. Yes. For anyone, that's a big deal. Yes. So... Thank you. And for those of you who cannot afford or don't want to, that is (laughs) totally okay. And we appreciate you listening. If you can't afford it and you want to still support us, you can do that through um, reviews on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, I know I feel like we sound like broken records, but truly, y'all, thank you so much. Yeah, definitely. Okay. And in other news. I have a question for everybody. Oh, shit. No, you know. So Donna and I were out to dinner the other night, and I pulled a couple of dudes about this, and by that I mean one, um, <laughs> to see what they thought. Who? Corey at work. Oh. <laughs> um, I asked him what he thought. Anyway, okay. 
So the other night, Donna and I were eating dinner again at that restaurant that gave us the free cheesecake that time. Mm-hmm. For those who are local, it's called Sully's because one of my friends was like, what restaurant were y'all at? <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, I didn't even think to be like say the name. Yeah. But anyway, it's, it's Sully's. And so we were eating there and they have like a little singer that comes in sometimes and it's always different. Well, this guy was... Real cute. Right up my alley. Um, My alley. I'm the one who saw him first. Because my back was to the stage. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why and when Donna and I, like, crossed paths of men that we found attractive, (laughs) but we've crossed paths and now we, it's, it's a problem. No. (laughs) Just kidding. Anyway, he was really, 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 can I say really, attractive. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, so, of course, Donna asks our server, who's been our server like 18 <laughs> times and always waves to us and is like, hey, girls, you're si-, blah, blah. Okay. Anyway, she asked him, she was like, is he single mm-hmm. and does he like extra large pizzas? <laughs> Legit. She said those words to him. <laughs> he laughed and was like, I think he's married. And I was like, that motherfucker isn't wearing a wedding ring. And he's like, because this restaurant is like a bar more mm-hmm. so than just a restaurant. And so I was like, he's essentially playing guitar in a bar. Without his wedding ring on. Yeah. And so I, this is my stance. I feel like if you're married, unless you were going to work at a job where you, your finger would like get cut off Mm -hmm. because you had a wedding ring on. Like if you're a machinist or a, I don't know, some type of like manual labor job that your finger could legit get caught in a machine because of your ring and chop your finger off. Those are the only times that I'm okay with a man not wearing his wedding ring. Yeah. And I understand that. You know, some men, you know, there's situations in which maybe they're going through a hard time, blah, blah, blah. But. Wait, what? Y'all could see Donna. Wish y'all could see her face at me. Like if a man's, if they're like separated or whatever. okay. And they're not wearing a ring. That's what I mean. Okay. (laughs) I thought you meant just like down in the dumps. I'm like, uh, no, he needs that ring on. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, I mean, like, if you're separated. Yeah. And and because everybody may not know that situation. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Cool. Take your ring off if you're separated. But I don't, it just bothers, because I have wedding ring radar. Um, She is not lying. That is her sixth sense. I, if you, you could have your hand in your pocket and I would know if it had a wedding ring on it or yes. not. You know what I mean? Like, it is, I'm like, oh, he's attractive. Does he have a ring on? Mm-hmm. And so it's frustrating when people are married and they don't have a ring on. Yeah. So I want to know what y'all think. Do y'all, I mean, do any of you men listening or women who are married, do y'all have, I don't know, what do y'all think? Yeah. Because like, okay, so like my sister Casey, for example, her husband is a machinist. And so he can't wear his ring to work because it really will chop his finger off. Yeah. But if like after work, if they go somewhere on the weekends, he's got his ring on. Yeah. I don't know. Hit, hit us up and tell me what you think. <laughs> what do you think, Donna? The same. Yeah. Wear a ring. They have rubber rings and stuff. For if you don't like the... Yeah, because I've heard some men say that. They're like, I just don't like the way a ring feels or I'm allergic to it or blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wear it... Well, unless you're allergic. But if you don't like the way it feels, wear it a week and you'll be used to it. Yes. And if you're allergic, there's several different metals and True. shit. Like... Put your big boy pants on, because if you want me to take them off, you better put your ring on. Damn. Damn. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some... 
<laughs> I was thinking, if you can wear a cock ring, you can wear your wedding ring. There you have it. <laughs> End of show. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Can't you just see that, like, embroidered on a pillow in your grandma's house? <sighs> in other news, mm-hmm. a bee just flew up my shirt and stung, oh. my, <laughs> and stung my stomach. <laughs> Not where I thought you were going with that. <laughs> like, what the fuck? How? Damn. It hurt, too. Well, it actually didn't hurt when it did. It hurts now, though. Other news. People messaged us on Facebook and stuff, and they also went back and listened, and they had they heard that door. I saw that. I was like, what the fuck was it? Like, seriously? I don't know. Unless Will is pulling a big con and he... Look, he's in it for the long game. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I can think of. Damn. I don't know what it was. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. I have to tell y'all one thing. And I can't even tell you all of it, but Carrie sent a video earlier to show me why she was stuck in traffic. And all I could focus on was, one, she has her her uh audio like on that 1.5 shit and so it's like a robot talking and she's like if i my skirt's short or something and if i lean over you can see my butt like the wind goes against my butt or something i was like what the (laughs) fuck are you listening to (laughs) what were you like she said her book and i'm like okay what a fucking Harlequin romance thing? Like, (laughs) it's about a kid in foster care. (laughs) What was that? I don't, I don't, I don't really remember that part. I guess I was not paying attention. I was recording. Do that. Listen to that part. Oh, no. Yes. No, no, no. Okay. I know what it was. She was saying that it was her first time to ever be able to take a school picture because she hadn't been at a school long enough to be able to be in a class photo. Mm-hmm. And she had to ride her bike to school. And how the, the dress that she had on was clearly too short. <laughs> um, she, like, she couldn't get positioned to where she was covered. And so she had to walk beside it, her bike, to school. And it made her dress really dirty on the bottom. And so she was late to school and cried. She's seven at the time. And so she was late. She was bawling, crying. She had pictures that day. And so that's what it was about. Oh, okay. Womp womp. Yeah. Not as good as you thought. <laughs> the book was called, or is, it wasn't past sense, <laughs> Three Little Words. It's by Ashley Rhodes Quarter or Quarter or it's Quarter, like it's how it's spelled. Mm. Anyway, it's a good book. Riveting. All right. It's episode 20, so I had to do something that was good. Uh, so all the other episodes all the other have been ones shit? just shitty. Okay. Pure shit. Okay. Just checking. Just kidding. This might be actually pure shit, but whatever. I am doing the exorcism of Roland Doe. Who's that? Is it what Emily Rose was based on? No. Damn. That's something Michelle or something like that. I do want to do her. Not like do her, but do her story. Well, she did, so. (laughs) I mean, some people like that. What are those things called? A succubus and incubus. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I'm going to do that because of that uh, 
video that Sarah and someone posted to the group now. I can't think of their name. Oh, yes. About the girl (laughs) with the pirate husband that's a ghost. That's been dead for 300 years. (laughs) Oh, my God. If y'all haven't seen that video, that is freaking funny. I'm sure you can just Google, like, dead pirate wife, and it'll come up. Yeah. She's got crazy-ass eyebrows. I mean, they're they're on point. I mean, they're terrible, (laughs) but they're on point. You know, like, she did it. I mean, if you're into the always surprise look, they're really good eyebrows. I mean, they're awful, but they're good, you know? Yeah. Okay. So this takes place, well, begins in 1940s. Well, in the late 1940s. Already off to a great start on this story. <laughs> Such a good fucking story. <laughs> totally not shit so at all. So many important facts mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that are clear. Clear, concise. As mud. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it was in a suburban small town neighboring Washington, D.C. Shout out to the Haunted Heart peeps in Washington, D.C. Whoop, whoop. Hootie hoo. Okay. Well, the small town was so Cottage City, Maryland, and the family's name is Hunkler. They were hunky. And I'm chunky. Boom, boom. I always have to rhyme. Damn. All right. They had a 13-year-old son, and he his name was Ronald, but it's hard to say really what his fucking name was. Because they say his name's Ronald. He's referred to as Roland Doe. Or like Doe. Ronaldo? Like D-O-E. No, I know. Um, <laughs> that one took you a minute. Well, I was like still talking. Okay. Also, okay. Okay. Also, they call him Ronnie in some things. I mean, just any R name. There you go. Roach. Why do you have to bring that up? Ooh. <laughs> Because when you said our name, it reminded me that you call it the R word. Ugh. Okay. So he lived at home with his parents and his grandmother. And so only child, really, you know, only child. No one to play with. Yeah. Not a lot of friends. Really um, introverted. A lot of this kids at school described him as quiet, withdrawn, unpopular, they said he wasn't very athletic, but he was a good student who loved to learn. I'm like, they talking about me? Damn. I mean, be like, Mom, I don't want to do PE. Will you write a note for me? She'd be like, write a note. Donna is sick or whatever. Then I'd have to wait because if I saw that parachute come out and I wanted to play that or whatever those scooter things were, I'd be like, no, I'm good today. But if it was like something stupid, I'd be like... <laughs> Here. Stop it. <laughs> I swear to God, I did. And my mama enabled me. R.I.P. Patty Joe. But one time, I swear to God that I can't remember her name, but... Miss Allen. Yes. She was on to me on one time because she did not have the parachute out or in, or the big ball that we'd play mm-hmm. volleyball with sometimes. And I love that. I like big balls and I cannot lie. So I'm like, I don't feel good. Then she went and brought those balls out and I'm like motherfucker he got my number so i had to sit there and i was like oh man i really want to play i want to be like i feel better miss allen put me in coach i'm ready but i sat there probably read nancy drew okay memory lane we went down 
Now we're going back to Cottage City, Maryland with Ronald, a.k.a. Roland, a.k.a. Ronnie. One of his favorite things to do was spend time with his aunt. Saw two names, Aunt Tilly and Aunt Harriet. There's a lot of names that go on up in this thing. Okay. Probably going to get them wrong. Probably not going to remember them like you, like the people are probably not going to remember them. Yeah. And I have them wrong anyway, so whatever. I wouldn't either, so. (laughs) Aunt Tilly slash Harriet, she was a spiritualist. She taught him how to play with the Ouija board. Uh Uh-uh. All that kinds of shit. She's like, listen here, Ronald. This is how you talk to the demons. Not really. That's not what she said, but, you know, whatever. So. She digresses. (laughs) (laughs) So, January 1949, she died. Oh. Mm-hmm. So he was like really grief stricken because she was like his only friend. Shit. Oh God. Yeah. So he's like, hold a minute. Let she, me get that Ouija board. Oh, mm-hmm. And she like he like, you used to call me on the set. No, nah, I'm just kidding. Okay, sorry. I'm I'm hyped up for some reason. So he tried to contact her, really didn't get anything. But afterwards, dun-dun-dun, strange shit happens. He didn't use a fucking circle. No. He didn't say hello. He didn't say goodbye. He just shit out of luck afterwards. All I know is draw a circle. <laughs> From Courtney? hmm So then there began some tapping and banging coming from upstairs, which would be empty. No one was up there. Then some objects started to move on their own, such as a chandelier. It started to swing. And then a portrait of Jesus started banging against the wall. Yeah. So that's not a good sign. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And other people heard this or just Ronnie? Mm Mm-hmm. His his peeps, his his parents. They heard it too. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Then it started having, like, scratching underneath the floorboards. Oh, God. Yeah, and some, like, knocking noise. So they're like, okay, it's probably rodents or some pest. So called pest control, who did all that they could do, charged them out the wazoo. Rhymed again. And basically discovered that there was nothing. You know, they're, like, preventative. We're going to put this in here, but there's nothing. But, yeah. But it continued. And then, so the family began to believe that it was the aunt trying to communicate with them. Because nothing bad was happening right now. Were they spiritualists, too, or just the aunt? No, they were Lutheran. Okay. So, as the nights went by, noises grew and grew, and... It started to sound like a big group of people were marching. What? Kind of like soldiers in a cadence. And so the grandmother asked, Aunt Tilly, is that you? And said, if it is, knock three times. I saw somewhere that said knock four times, but whatever. On the ceiling, if you want me? Yeah. If you want my soul. (laughs) Twice on the pipe? If the answer is no. Okay. I thought the words were, if you ain't going to show. Oh. Maybe. I don't know. Hell, they'd probably say both. (laughs) Or I'm wrong. Who knows? Okay. 
In response, they heard three distinct knocks on a wall mm. that was close. So they're like, okay, okay. hey, Aunt Tilly. Yeah. And Roland slash Ronnie was like, it worked. A little bit later, the troubles, like the knocking, the noise, everything started to center around Ronald. And it eventually followed him to school. What? Mm -hmm. According to one source I found, it reported that his desk moved on its own in front of several different students. It kind of was like, okay, like he was so embarrassed. He was like, I can't go back to school. Like he's already the weird kid, you know, quote unquote and all this. And then they're like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. You know, it's not something that they can explain. So it's not something. It's not. It's not that. Okay. (laughs) Ugh, I hate snot. So he's staying home like. Poor thing. Yeah. So shit's getting real of just like, you know, noise and never, never being quiet. I can only imagine. You would die. No. You'd be like, oh, my God. Okay. So, then one night, his mother walked into his room and found the entire bed with her son sleeping on it. Well, sitting on it. And it was shaking and rattling violently. At one point, the sheets unwrapped themselves from the mattress and stood on edge as if, like, it was held up with starch. What? Mm Mm-hmm. Then when she, like, touched the bedspread, it just, like, dropped back down. Yeah. And then Ronald, a.k.a. Roland. I'm just going to call him Ronald or Roland, whatever I put. (laughs) It went back and forth. But he began having seizures. (gasps) Like, when when she touched the bedspread, he started convulsing. After that, like, I mean, he recovered. But after that, scratch marks would start appearing on his skin. And then soon they started to notice that words would be, like, etched in his skin. Oh, God. And it looked as if it had been drawn on by claws. Ooh. Mm Mm-hmm. And they realized if they ask something out loud, a question, that the answer would be written on. Like, in a word on his skin. No. Yeah. Backwards? Like, it's coming from the inside? Oh, my God. I don't know. Oh, look at you, scary movie. <laughs> oh, I can just see, like, a I know, me claw, too. Like, me too. Ooh. Writing it. Yeah, mm-hmm. me too. And, like, pushing out the skin a little bit. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Okay. So, this started, they were like, okay. This isn't some fun and games with Aunt Tilly. Yeah. Like, this ain't it. So, they were like, all right. They had this. And then also more furniture began to move. Like, his bed, dressers, night tables, coffee tables. So, it was, like, growing stronger and everything. So, they were like, okay, let's go to the doctors, see what's wrong with him. Everything was fine. He was in perfect health. Then they were like, all right, let's get him evaluated by a psychologist. He was fine. So then they 
contacted uh, the Catholic Church as a last resort. They're Lutheran, but I mean, when you think of yeah a haunting or anything right. like that, you think Catholic Church. So there, they were put into contact with a Father Albert Hughes. He died in 1980. I mean, obviously, he was alive for this. They weren't yeah. contacted him with the Ouija board. But a close friend and a confidant of Father Hughes, like, wrote, you know, wrote about it and yeah. stuff. But he said that he first met the afflicted boy. That's how he wrote it. In February of 49. And he said that Father Hughes, when he met the boy, he said he noticed a very dark stare, almost as if there was nothing behind the eyes. And he also noticed that immediately the boy started staring hard at the books that he had placed across the table, one being the Bible. This is a classic symptom of possession, he said, when they're afflicted with religious uh, stuff. He said... That during this event in which the boys stared at the books, Father Hughes's chair, with him still inside it, lifted up and levitated, forcing him backwards against the wall. It was this exact instant that Hughes knew he was dealing with something diabolical. Yeah. And so he was like, okay, I got to address this properly. I got to make sure, you know, cross my T's, dot my I's. We can't leave any stone unturned, and I can't. What? I'm just laughing. You had like three. Cross my teeth, <laughs> dot my eyes, no stone unturned. <laughs> he had to be for real serious. Damn. So he's like, "All right, getting down to business." So he like leaned in and he asked in Latin, "What is your name?" And the boy's response was. I am legions. Does your throat hurt after that? <laughs> no. Because I'm I'm possessed too. Okay. I'm legions? Uh-huh. Who's that? Well, I'll tell you. That was good though. I liked the dramatic flair. Thank you. <laughs> you were like, what? <laughs> I, I mean, I knew you were, I like, obs. I saw you lean in, but just like the priest did. Yeah. Um <laughs> I wasn't expecting that demon voice, though. I was expecting a, <laughs> I am legion. <laughs> Keep you on your toes. Okay, so it said, this is beneficial to speak to someone who may be possessed in a language in which they could not know. Right. That way, the actual person is unaware of what the priest is saying, but the demon would know what's going on. Yeah. So the reason I am legions is like such an intimidating and important response is that it indicates that there's multiple demonic entities within the boy. (gasps) Shit. Yeah. So that means that Father Hughes is going to have to work harder, smarter, and everything else, you know, because it's not just one bad guy. Like the thing I read, it was like, Imagine if you're walking down an alley and then you see one bad guy and you're like, okay, get yourself psyched up to do that. And then all of a sudden, five other people come up behind you. Yeah. Or like emerge from behind Mm -hmm. that one person. And you're like, oh, fuck. Fuck, What do I do? Yeah. So that's pretty much where he was. He's been levitated. Now he's like, oh, fuck. 
this guy's got multiple demons in him. You know, like, yeah. what's going on? So, at the time that Father Hughes met Ronald, he wasn't extremely familiar with exorcism. He was kind of just, like, thrown into this role like it's someone that they knew. Like, yeah, you know, so he, the boy, was admitted to a hospital in Washington run by Jesuit brothers, like, basically monks, mm-hmm. um, who oversaw the events. Okay, so at this point, Ronald was already in a a volatile state. He was shaking, rocking, and spitting. Ugh, why do you have to do that? Don't spit. Right? He was screaming and would have aggressive outbursts. So at some point, the nurses in the hospital made the choice to physically restrain him. So they're all holding him down. Now, Father Hughes has been reciting the exorcism prayer for, like, three consecutive nights. No results. And basically, Ronald had become increasingly violent over this. He would start foaming at the mouth. He would shout, insult the priest, and attempt to break his constraints. So, eventually... Ronald succeeded, and he got one of his hands free. And with that, he reached under the bed, physically broke one of the springs under the mattress. He sliced Father Hughes with the spring. So it was a gash that went from inside Hughes's wrist all the way up to the nook of the elbow. Damn. So it said to the untrained eye, it could look like it was an attempted suicide. I mean, he really wanted to get that if that was the case, but whatever. But there were witnesses who could document this attack. Yeah. The cut required stitches, and so the exorcism was put on hold. Hughes was forced to take time away, obviously to heal. He said that he felt he had failed Ronald, and the boy eventually returned home. They just let him fucking go home? Because the... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, because he couldn't stay at the hospital because he was having to be restrained all the time. Yeah. Like, they weren't... Equipped for this. It said the family remained in constant fear of their son, which, yeah. He continued to exhibit unexplained cuts, bruises, scratches, and welts. One day, the mom saw some more scratches on the boy's chest, and it was a bloody writing, and it had Lewis, like, kind of branded in his chest. Which indicated to Ronald's mom that they needed to go to St. Louis where they had relatives. So they were like, this is a sign. Maybe Ronald inside is trying to help us. Yeah. You know, whatever. Figure this out. Packed up, like went to St. Louis to stay with some relatives. A cousin was attending St. Louis University and she put them in touch with Father Halloran and Reverend Bodern. So the men gathered at the residence on Roanoke Drive in early March 1949. When they were there at that residence, they witnessed scratching on the boy's body and the mattress moving violently. So this was the same stuff that happened in Maryland when the first exorcism had failed. When And so the people in St. Louis, like, saw this, too, and, like, it's, like, documented that mm-hmm. they were, like, 
No, I saw it too. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. And, well, you'll find this out later, so I'm not going to, like, spoil anything. Okay. But they actually kept di- uh, diaries okay. of this, so it's documented. So, upon entering Ronald's bedroom, the priest found him laying perfectly still on a bed that was violently shaking. When they approached him, they wanted to evaluate and make sure, like, yeah, what his, what state his body was in. So, they lifted his shirt to examine for markings and burnt onto his chest with a single word, hello. What? Mm-hmm. I mean, they had to be nice. They had to be courteous to their guests. I guess so. Okay. So after they consulted with the university's president, they agreed to perform an exorcism on Ronald. But they needed several assistants to come in and help at different times because they were like, okay, this boy is going to start being really strong. We need people to restrain him. So... Pretty much almost from the start, Ronald began to forcefully spit at the priest. That's disgusting. Yes. Threatening them with violence, commanding them to leave. He started making vulgar sexual propositions towards anyone, any members of the clergy who were present. And so they were like, nope. We're just, you know, like as he was doing this, they just kept reciting the prayers and everything. And this lasted Every night straight for three full weeks. Damn. So during this time that like they would have to pin Ronald down due to his violent outburst. One of the priests recorded in the diary that the blows that this boy was physically capable of were beyond his age. Like the strength. Mm-hmm. And he was, like, seriously injuring large, grown adult men. Yeah, and he's, what, like, 13? 13, 14, probably at this point. But, like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about boys we know that age. They're, Mm -hmm. like, scrawny, not whatever. Well, at one point, they got so desperate because he was just, like, physically hurting everyone. They actually held a pillow over his face what yes to keep him from swearing and everything i think they were just like at their fucking wits end yeah i mean not saying that that's right but but jesus if he's like so strong and all that like you can't handle his swearing and stuff at you though you know what i mean yeah i know one wrote in their journal bishop sprinkled saint ignatius holy water on the bed in the form of a cross the movement ceased quite abruptly During the course of 15 minutes of activity, a sharp pain seemed to have struck Ronald on his stomach. He cried and cried. The mother quickly pulled back the bed covers and lifted his shirt, and it showed a zigzag scratch pattern in bold red lines. Again, like claws did it. Yeah, and it's like his arms are tied down. Like, Mm -hmm. how else is he getting these? Yeah. So... Bowdern and Holleran, they also reported that there was a pattern to his behavior. During the day, he was calm and normal, just a normal teenage boy. And at night, after settling in for bed, that's when the strange shit would happen. So, again, he continued to spit in their eyes. Oh. Yeah. He would speak in a deep, unnatural voice and have that guttural... Like you just did? Yeah. 
<laughs> yes, like I did perfectly. He actually broke Halloran's nose <gasps> with like a punch. His bed would continue to shake violently and he would have seizures. And the words evil and hell appeared on his body at different times. They said that Ronald would start to enter like a trance-like state and he would start making the sounds in the guttural animal-like voice. And they noted that he would react violently still if he saw any sacred object presented. So, I mean, it just kept going on and on. Nothing was really getting better. At one point during the this weeks-long ordeal, Bowdern reportedly saw an X appear in scratches on Ronald's chest. And he believed that this signified the number 10. Like um, there's 10 demons in it? Mm-hmm. <gasps> Are you sure this isn't what Emily Rose is based on? Yep. Yep. I'm You're sure? sure? I am sure. So, in another incident, a pitchfork-shaped pattern of red lines moved from the boy's thigh and snaked downwards towards his ankle. And they said that seemed to be like a drawing of the devil. How? Because it was like a pitchfork shape. Oh, 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 oh. Mm-hmm. That's very cartoony mm-hmm. you know like yeah but i mean that's what you believe like if you saw that you'd be like oh devil i guess like if you saw me drawing marley with the tail that had like a pitchfork you'd be like which is exactly what dawson drew us yeah <laughs> yes you'd be like oh devil dog on the evening of march 20th the exorcism reached an unhealthy new level Ronald urinated all over his bed, began shouting and cursing at the priest, and several severe burns appeared on his body. They said a horrendous smell filled the room from urine, burning, like all of this shit. So Ronald's parents had had enough. They're like, we don't know what to do. This is not working. So they took him to Alexian Brothers Hospital in St. Louis for more serious treatment. It's still with those people, but like getting him out of the house. Yeah. Friday, April the 1st, they had been given Ronald like instructions on the Catholic faith and stuff under the direction of Father McMahon. And Ronald's father and mother were like, look, it's up to you what you want to be, if you want to be Lutheran, Catholic, whatever, you know. So they're like, okay, we're going to baptize him, see if this helps. So sponsors were picked up and the bad baptismal mm-hmm. party was to arrive at the college church between 8 and 8.30 p.m. As the party of five relatives drove from Ronald's home, Ronald felt a strange sensation in his feet. He said it was you know, alternating between hot and cold sensations. Then he went into one of his spells. So he began saying, so who are you going to, so you're going to baptize me? Ha, ha. Okay, Danny Zuko. Right? Ha, ha. Oh, God. Um, And you think you'll drive me out with Holy Communion? Ha, ha. Damn. Oh, my God. I mean, why does it have to say that? Ha, ha. So with that, while he's saying that, while he's laughing, uh, he grabbed the steering wheel 
that his uncle was driving and forced him to pull up to the curb. Like, and they were like trying to get a hold of him, trying to do that. And he like stiffened and fought. So he was in the front seat. So he was having to like be pulled to the back seat. So his father and uncle held him in the back seat while the aunt drove. And even though that they were holding him, two grown men, he leaped up and it said leaped. Is it leapt? Who knows? And basically seized his aunt while she was driving. And it said an interesting sidelight is that the radio in the car would work unless he was having one of his fits and it would not work. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So they get to the college church, but in the rectory, there was another hard struggle and it almost made it impossible for three men to carry Ronald from the car to the rectory. Inside, he shouted and spit. He was thrown to the floor and like even ice water and shit had like little effect on him. Nothing fazed him. He was just you know, steadily being crazy. So he was carried to the third floor of the rectory and placed on the bed. There was little hope that the baptism could be administered. Ronald was in and out of his seizures for a short period, but there was not enough time for the long profession of faith, basically saying like, I won't commit heresy, blah, 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 blah. All that other stuff. (laughs) So Father Bowden had Ronald repeat the words in a briefer form. You know, he was basically like, do you take him to blah, 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 kiss the bride. Like, you know, that kind of thing. Okay, so then the regular procedure for baptism of infants followed. However, when Ronald was asked, doubt thou renounce Satan, he went off into a spell. The action was repeated three or four times, but Ronald went off before he could answer the questions with the words, I do renounce him. Like, he just kept seizing and shit. So, finally, Ronald was normal long enough to give the answers. Ronald remained coherent for the words to to finally, like, seal the deal. Yeah. And it was completed with a generous amount of baptismal water, so holy water, I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. It seemed from the reactions that the Lutheran baptism had not been administered properly or that it had not taken effect that he had before. Yeah. And so they were hoping, like, maybe that that was the difference, that he wasn't actually baptized before. And so now with this, maybe the demons could be cast out. How did his baptism just not work before? Who knows? So finally, on April the 18th, a quote-unquote miracle occurred in Donald's room at the Alexian Brothers Hospital. It was a Monday after Easter, and Ronald awoke with seizures again. The priest placed rosaries and religious medallions around his neck and forced a crucifix in his hand. In response, Ronald shrieked, He has to say one more word, one little word. I mean, one big word. He'll never say it. I am always in him. I may not have much power always, but I am in him. He will never say that word. At that point when he responded that, it took five men to hold him down. 
Around 10.45 p.m., Ronald became deathly still. Then, in a clear, booming voice, he shouted, Satan, Satan, I am Saint Michael, and I command you, Satan, and the other evil spirits to leave the body in the name of God immediately, now, now, now. Rodney said this? Ronald, yeah. Same thing. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Like, he was deathly still, and, and then, then he all of a shouted. Sudden, yeah, it was like he got enough power. Mm-hmm. At 1045, that was around 1045, at 1045, the attending priest called on St. Michael to expel Satan from Ronald's body. They shouted at Satan, saying that St. Michael would battle him for Ronald's soul. Seven minutes later, Ronald awoke and smiled. When, when asked what he had just seen, he described seeing a vision of Satan and 10 of his helpers engaged in a fiery battle with St. Michael, the archangel. He recalled how just before the battle ended, the angel turned to him and looked directly at him and said, Dominus, which is the Latin word for Lord. There were no more documented instances of strange occurrences or behavior after that. Ronald went on to live a completely normal life from that moment forward. So some, I found some like skeptical people and the analyst said of Roland or Ronald Doe's case that they believe he likely suffered from mental health issues such as schizophrenia or Tourette's syndrome that was far less understood in the 1940s. They also said that maybe it was kind of like poltergeist stuff because Ronald could have been sexually abused by his aunt or his living grandmother. <gasps> yeah. So, you know how they say, like, if people can manifest the poltergeist with all the negative energy and stuff, mm-hmm. um, like the smurls, the girls going through puberty and shit. Yeah. But again, no one knows that for sure. And... Even then, all the other shit that was documented, it's like, how does he do that? Right. You know? But, so, no one one would have ever known about this because it was like, I mean, it was hush-hush. Yeah. But there was an article in the Washington Post, which reported in late 1949, that the priest indeed performed an exorcism. And the case wouldn't make headlines again for two more decades. In 1971, an author by the name William Peter Blatt, Blatty, Blatty, who knows, penned the best-selling novel *The Exorcist*, based on the unofficial diaries kept by Halloran and Bowdern. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. The book stayed on the bestseller list for 52 weeks. Nope, 54 weeks, and it spawned the hit movie in 1973. So the movie took several liberties. Yeah. Um, and because they wanted to keep Roland slash Ronald slash all, you know, like they wanted to keep him and his family out of it. They changed Ronald to Carrie Fisher. Okay. Reagan. And it obviously moves from Washington to Georgetown. But Ronald was actually hospitalized in Georgetown for a little bit. So... That was kind of like, hmm. But, I mean, everything that happened pretty much happened, but his head didn't spin around, and he didn't, like, puke. Remember, like, that yes. nasty... Projectile vomited. Yeah, he didn't do that. Split and he, pea soup. Yes, and he did not masturbate with the bloody crucifix either. 
Did um, she do that in the movie? Yes. I don't remember that. Oh, my God, yes. I don't remember that. But remember, he did make sexual yeah. advances and shit to them. So, hmm. But, okay, so following that, like, whole ordeal, um, his family moved back to the East Coast. They say that Ronald found a wife and started a family. He named his first son Michael after the saint who rescued him. Aw. Mm-hmm. He's still alive today. Uh, he's in his early 80s. So this is when this was written, so I don't know exactly what it is. But he didn't remember all of the possession or the exorcism. Bowdern, he died in 1983, and Halloran lived until 2005 when he died of cancer. He was the last surviving member of the main team who performed the exorcism on Roland Doe. The room in Alexian Brothers Hospital was boarded up and sealed following the exorcism. The entire facility was torn down in 1978, and the house where the family lived in Maryland is now an empty lot after it was abandoned in the 1960s. They say, like I said, Ronald Hunkler is the believed real name, but, I mean, no one's confirmed that. And that is it. Wow. So that he was the OG. Mm-hmm. And that's how I know he's not Emily Rose because he is the exorcist. Okay. So I can I, it's so funny. I was talking to my parents about this the other day. I cannot remember what it is. So I'm sure somebody's going to know when I say it. Oh, Annalise Michelle or whatever. That's Emily Rose. Okay. There is a medical diagnosis it's like it's like schizophrenia but it's not and it has kind of that those physical symptoms Mm -hmm. of like how on and i know this is a different one but like for like the emily rose one like how she would go up and down and the like on the ground and Uh stuff and like these weird kind of contorted positions Mm -hmm. and like all this stuff and it's it actually explains almost every one of the symptoms that you would have from a what you would think of would being a possession it actually explains them away and i cannot when we when i had that conversation with my parents i could not find it online of course everything's just like I, i forget but it's a very specific name and he may even say that when they have the in the movie when they have the people on the stand you know Mm -hmm. god i can't remember the name of it so, if anybody can remember it, please tell me because I cannot remember it. <laughs> However, with that said, and he may have, but how do you explain all the stuff that everybody else saw? Right. Like the beds moving, the this and the that. Yeah. Because it's one thing for him to do those things, him to speak in those languages, him to be, you know, all these different things. Yeah. But well, when other people are seeing him laying still on a bed moving... Oh, yeah, is this a cheap motel in the 90s? Right. There ain't There's no way. There's some quarters. Also with this, Ronald, Roland, whoever, he didn't make a penny from this. Right. The priests weren't, you know, like they didn't, they didn't want to relinquish the diaries to the author or anything. He found them another way because everyone kept diaries mm. during it. So he... Paid someone, you know, but, like, the main priest, this was, like, a private thing. Yeah, yeah. And so they don't make money from this. It's not like 
they're the Warrens who say, okay, we're demonologists and right. we're going to charge you money. And you know what I mean? So, right. like, the only people who made money were the author who founded in a newspaper. That's crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, it's like, why would they lie about it? What did they have to gain? Yeah. Absolutely. Because he didn't do it for notoriety. Because he's, like, case file. He's anonymous. Damn, that was a good one. Yay. Good. I almost did the exorcism of Emily Rose, like, the story behind it. And I'm, I really do want to because, I mean, it takes twists and turns. Well, in this one, I was not, I was not expecting him to live. Right. You know, because they mm-hmm. always die from yeah. starvation or what have you. Yeah. Wow. But, and, like, again, I feel like... Most of those things are kind of easily explained away mm-hmm. of, especially someone who is Catholic. Like, he's, I know he wasn't, but mm-hmm. I'm saying someone who was raised Catholic and maybe had attended, um, like, a traditional Latin mass mm-hmm. and, you know, all of that. But this guy was Lutheran. Like, mm-hmm. how did he know Latin? Right. So crazy. Such a good story. Yay. So it's like, I Yeah. This I feel like this one I believe. You know what I mean? Like and all then he saw the men in black. Oh god. <laughs> but like other exorcism stories, again, like I said, can be can be explained away through different like different a different diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one, I think the thing that gets me the most about the story is the fact that these physical things were happening without with other people seeing it and clearly not him doing it. Yeah. Okay, we're going to travel back Ooh. to 1870. Okay. Okay, so quick little history lesson. So uh, around, or I'm sorry, fought, <laughs> I don't know history, and it's in front of me. Okay, following the Civil War. Okay. Also, let me preface this really quickly. Oh, Lord. This story is like 90% from Wikipedia, I'm going to be honest. Because, I I mean, I, I seriously pulled up like 10 articles. And like every single one of them was basically a repeat of the Wikipedia. Like oh, really? legit. Yeah. And so it, this is mostly Wikipedia, citing my source. <laughs> okay. So following the American Civil War, the U.S. government had taken Native Americans from the Osage Indians from Labette County, Kansas, and moved them to a new territory, which later would become Oklahoma. And so the land that was kind of newly vacant was made available to homesteaders. Okay. And I'm probably pronouncing all of these counties (laughs) and everything wrong. So everyone from Kansas, i sorry. So in October of 1870... Five families of spiritualists, which is why I made that face at you earlier. Yeah, settled like they settled the land and created what would become Cherryvale. That was established about seven months after they got there. Okay, one of the families that came was the Bender family. It was John Bender Sr. and John Bender Jr. who had 160 acres of land. Off of the Great Osage Trail. Okay. So I think that from one of the things that I found said that John Sr. owned like 
150 of them, and then Junior only had like 10 of them. Okay. Um, but together, they owned 160. So that Great Osage Trail was one of the only roads available for traveling out west further. So okay. all of these people who were trying to go west had to pass on this trail to get there. Mm-hmm. So they had on their land, they built a little cabin, they had a little barn, and then in the fall of 1871, he brought, John Sr. brought his wife, Elvira, that's for you, Tiffany, she <laughs> hates Elvira, and their daughter, Kate. And okay. so it was a really small cabin that they had, and it was just divided into two rooms by like a big canvas wagon cover. So it was okay. like basically one big room that they had a wagon cover in the middle, okay. separating it into two rooms. Um, How artsy of them. Not right. Very Art Deco. I'm just kidding. I have no idea what that means. (laughs) Well, Um, it's not, but okay. (laughs) Decorative art. Is that what that means? Because I don't have a clue. Okay. I would say it's boho. Sure. Bohemian? Chic? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. I don't know words. Farmhouse. Joanna Gaines. That's all I know. (laughs) The smaller room in the back was their living quarters. And then the front room they made into like a kind of a general store. Because again... They were on this trail where all of these people were passing, and so they're like, "Let's capitalize on yeah, this, yeah, hustle, hustle, and let's make this store." They said, "Let's make it rain." Yeah, so they sold like dry goods. <laughs> <laughs> Those two, dry goods, and all of that that the travelers may need, and then they also had like a kitchen, a dining table, a what, a kitchen. I thought you said a kitchen. Uh, hell, I probably did. Kitching. That's what that's what my brain was doing for them, like ka-ching, 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 every time their little cash register went. So the people they had a cash register. They could have. I don't know when the first cash register What are these words? And I don't even have my retainers in. Y'all, bottom braces off, tangent a little bit. Got my New bottom teeth, who did? Got my bottom braces off, and that bottom retainer is something. I cannot say S's. At all. Like, I thought it was bad when I first got the top. Ret- no. This is a <laughs> whole new fucking ballgame. I sound like donkey lips from Salute oh Your Shorts. Oh, my gosh. It's so bad. Okay. So, in where the general store was, they had a kitchen, a dining table. And so, the travelers could, when they, you know, stopped in, they could stop for a meal. They could even, like, spend the night. Okay. Elvira and Kate, they had a little vegetable garden, little apple orchard, all that. So, they had some of that stuff, too. Yeah. Okay. They were the first fruit stand. There you go. Do they have bull peanuts? Oh, shit. If they got bull peanuts, one, they need a bathroom because that will light your ass yeah, on fire. Tear my stomach up. But yes. Oh my, and it tears my mouth up because it's so salty. But oh my. But yeah, bull peanuts are my life. Okay, so the Bender family, let's just a little bit about them. John Bender Sr., he was like 60 years old and he didn't speak very much English. What did he speak? I don't know. German. Okay. Sorry. I was like, I don't know. Wait. Yes, I do. <laughs> but, like, they say that when he did speak English, like, you didn't have, you, you couldn't, under, it was, like, very, like, guttural speech. Oh. I stole that from Wikipedia. I don't actually know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so smart. I'm just saying that's what I said earlier in my thing. It's the, like, jarbly... You said that word earlier? Guttural, yes. In your story tonight? Yes. 
Damn. We both got guttural, whatever. Spiritualists. And spiritualists. Mm-hmm. Okay. Shows how much she pays attention to me. <laughs> so moving right along. <laughs> so John Bender, Bender Sr. went by the name William. Okay. Lots of, and again, all these stories with lots of names. Elvira, who was his wife, didn't speak very much English either. She was 55 years old. And they say that she was so mean, like she was such a bitch, that all of the neighbors like hated her and called Damn. her the she-devil. Damn. <laughs> so John Bender Jr. was 25. They say that he was quite handsome, had Ooh. auburn hair, had a little mustache. Ooh. That he did speak English fluently, but he did have a, a thick German accent as well. Was he single? They said that he <laughs> that he would like he was kind of odd though, like he was attractive, but he was odd. And well, like everyone has to have their thing. And not, I mean, you can't have it all, right? But that he would just like randomly laugh. It for nothing. Well, maybe he was thinking funny thoughts. Nothing's wrong with that. But he was known as a halfwit. Damn. I know. That's pretty assholey. But Yeah. And then Kate Bender, who was 23, she was really beautiful, too. And that she spoke a lot of... She spoke English very well and didn't have much of an accent. So okay. she was kind of like the mouthpiece for the family, I yeah. guess. She considered herself to be a healer and a psychic. Okay. And she, like, was a hustler and had, like, flyers. I guess you could print flyers back then, but they said flyers of her, like, powers and her ability to cure different illnesses. She would do seances and then give lectures on spiritualism. Okay. She became quite popular, which was part of the kind of notoriety and and attraction for people to come to the Benders Inn. Okay. The parents kind of kept to themselves for the most part, but the kids were more out and about in the community. Like, they would go to to Sunday school and that kind of thing. Yeah. There's really not a whole lot that's actually known about the Benders. So, a lot of it is some a lot of speculation. Okay. It's believed that they're German. Hence, like, the German accents and all of that. But it could be a ruse. Could be. Could be. Who knows? Okay. That all, they say that only the senior and junior were actually born overseas and that they weren't actually family. What? So they, they say that, yeah. So there's no documentation of any actual proof of any of the relationships to one another. Yeah. So they might not have been husband and wife either? Or brother and sister or father and son, okay. mother and daughter. They could have been like... Swingers. So, maybe. Because, actually, one of the things was that Kate's, like, with her kind of notoriety and all of that, like, she really advocated, like, free love. Mm. So, maybe. So, they say that they could be either from Germany or the Netherlands, but they think that he was born by the name of John Flickinger. What? Mm-hmm. Um, and then they say Elvira had a different name. I mean, it's. I'm not going to bore y'all with all these people. Okay. But that, like, she had been married before and supposedly had 12 kids. Good. And then later married someone else and then um, named William Stephen Griffith. And she was suspected of murdering, like, several husbands. But, again, these are all rumors that nobody ever really proved to. Yeah. 
some stuff says that Kate may have been, may have actually been Elvira's daughter, her fifth daughter. John and Kate plus eight. Mm-hmm. But then there was a Bible later, like, found at the house, and they think that John Jr. was born as, a like, a different name, John Gebhardt. But again, there's no other proof to it. Plus, it's 1870. Like, yeah. if you want to be somebody else, you're somebody fucking else. Yeah. And so some stuff, some accounts say that the they weren't actually brother and sister, but that they were husband and wife, too. Mm. That it was actually two couples. Okay. Okay, so that trail was known to be quite dangerous for people traveling west. There were a lot of thieves that would rob travelers and of like their possessions and their horses and everything. Mm-hmm. And so there were a lot of di- even disappearances like the, of the people who would go on those trails. Oh, fuck. So in the winter of 1872, George Newton Longcore and his infant daughter Marianne, they left Independence, Kansas, to go resettle in Iowa, and nobody ever heard from them again. <gasps> no. And so, in the spring of 1873, George's neighbor was like, mm, "That's weird." His name was Doctor William Henry York. Doctor York went was like, "This is weird that they, you know." Never, we never heard from him again. So he was like, I'm going to like retrace their steps and see if I can figure something out. Okay. So he went down the trail, was like questioning the homesteaders along the way. So once he got to kind of where they would have, the furthest they could have gone, he started, he turned back and started making his way back home. Making my way downtown. But he never made it back either. Oh, fuck. Double whammy. Yeah. So Dr. York is MIA. So he had two brothers, one of which was a colonel who lived in Fort Scott. and Where's that? I don't know. Kansas. Uh. And then Alexander M. York, who was a member of the Kansas State Senate. Ooh, fancy schmouncer. Mm-hmm. But they, so both of William or Dr. York's brothers knew that he was going out on this trip to search for this husband and daughter. And obviously were like, what the fuck? Where is he? He didn't come home. Yeah. And so... Colonel York was like, fuck this. I'm I'm going to find him. Yeah. So Colonel York got a group of like 50 men Damn. to take with him. And they set off on the trail and same thing, stopped at every homestead on the way to kind of see if anybody knew anything. Yeah. On March 28th, 1873, Colonel York got to the Benders Inn. And he told him, you know, to kind of what had been going on. He said, you know, my brother came through. He's missing, blah, blah. Have you seen him? And the benders were like, yeah, actually, he stayed with us. But he, maybe he met with some Indians down the road or something because, you know, he was fine when he left us. Oh, shit. And so. um lying. So Colonel York was like, yeah, you know, that, that's that could probably have happened. So. Um, Always blaming someone else. Always blaming people of color. But go ahead. So after Colonel York left them, he had gotten some information that a woman had fled from the inn after being threatened with knives by Elvira. Oh, shit. Um, and so Colonel York was like, um, skirt. <laughs> so he went back with some of his men armed to the 
teeth, tooth, gills, anyway, same thing, right. to kind of figure out what had been going on. Mm-hmm. Because they say that, you know, Elvira supposedly couldn't speak any English. And so all the younger benders were like, no, that didn't happen. Yada, yada, yada. So just because she couldn't speak English doesn't mean that she couldn't. No, no, no. So she couldn't like hold that thought. Oh, okay. So Colonel York kept being like, y'all held this lady with to a knife, yada, yada, yada. And all of a sudden, enraged, Elvira said that the woman was a witch who had cursed her coffee and ordered the men to leave her house. Uh, so she went from like, um, I don't speak English to this bitch was a witch <laughs> and cursed my coffee. So you motherfuckers leave. Yeah. Basically then, is what had happened. Yeah. And so they were like, hmm, she speaks English better than she's been putting on. Yeah. So right before Colonel York left, Kate was like, you should come next Friday night and I'll use my psychic abilities to help find your brother. Okay. So Yeah, you're going to find him in the afterlife. <laughs> so, well, that's what she was saying. She was like, yeah, but something's clearly. Yeah, but I hear you, what you're saying. You're going to meet him in person, but not in person. Yeah. So the men that he had brought with him were absolutely convinced that the Benders and one of their families, the Roaches, kid you not. Kid you, Did you not. Is that why you picked this? <laughs> no. You nasty. But they were convinced that they were guilty of killing Dr. York. Uh-huh. And so they were like, hang them all. Damn. And Colonel York was like, no, no, no. We got to have some evidence first. Mm-hmm. Very reasonable man. Yeah. So kind of while all this was happening, the communities around them were like, that Osage or Osage or whatever I just called God, that community. It, yeah. It's O-S-A-G-E. Osage. Osage is what you've been saying. Because um, I think it rhymes with sausage. But they're like, look, something's up with them. Everybody always goes missing in that area. Like, we get that the trail's dangerous, but shit, everybody comes up missing right over there. Yeah. And so they were like, we're going to have a meeting. Hear ye, hear ye. Yes. So the meeting, there were like 75 locals there, and Colonel York was one of them, including both Bender, Senior, and Junior. Okay. So... After they were all like, okay, you know, these are all the disappearances that have been happening. Everybody was like, okay, every homestead now is going to be searched. Like, everybody's. Oh, fuck. So, again, the York family, not the York, sorry. The Bender family was there. So, they heard all this and was like, yeah, come search our stuff. Well, it took a few days to get everybody kind of rolling because there was, you know, bad weather and all this stuff. And so it took a little bit for them to be able to actually start searching the properties. And once they had the meeting, nobody really ever, nobody watched to see what anybody did after that. Like, oh, Lord. Did they, you know, burn shit or what? No, you know, nobody yeah. watched that. So three days after the meeting, one of the neighbors was driving cattle past the Bender property when he noticed that there wasn't a whole lot going on at the end. At the end. Um, or at the end of the drive. No, I don't know. He was like, dang, those animals don't have any food. It looks like there's not really much going on. And so... Um, he was a concerned citizen. Yeah, so he went back to the township trustee and was like, you know, look, I think this is going to... I think something's going on. Well, this is when all the weather stuff happened. So it took a couple more days before they could go to the bender 
in and kind of investigate. So they called for a search party of volunteers and several hundred people came out to start a search party. Of course, including Colonel York. He was all up in this. Uh, Yeah. Which, I mean, if it was my brother. Mm -hmm. So when they got to the end, they found that the cabin had basically completely been emptied of food, clothing, and any personal items. There was, they, they noticed there was a really bad smell. Oh, fuck. And so they were like, okay, where the fuck is this smell coming from? So they're like trying to figure out where it's coming from in the house. And then they figured out it's coming from a trap door underneath a bed that was nailed shut. Mm-hmm. So they, they got it open and there was an empty room beneath it. It was about six feet deep and about seven feet square. And then by three feet something at the bottom. I don't know basically it was deep deep and wide we'll just say you know six feet by seven feet okay it had um a stone slab that had been broken up with like they broke it up with the sledgehammers but they Mm -hmm. didn't find any bodies and so they were like okay well maybe just the smells from like blood that had soaked into the soil Ooh. so they were like we got to figure out what's down there. So the men literally all together now picked the cabin up and moved it. What? Yeah. It's a rickety little cabin. Oh my God, I was about to be like rickety old shack. Yeah. I have a picture of it uh, for us to put up. So it has, you'll, so you'll see it. It's very. He it, huffed and puffed and blew the house down. Literally these men just were like, and lift. <laughs> and so they moved it over so that they could dig under under it and see like okay what the fuck still no bodies were found so you're like okay what the hell so then they started to like check out the ground around the cabin like with a metal rod especially places that had like some disturbed soil like of the vegetable garden and the orchard oh fuck yeah so later that evening they found dr york's body (gasps) He was buried face down, and his feet were barely deep enough from the surface. Like, he was, it was a very shallow grave. Yeah. So then they were like, well, jackpot. Yeah. Yahtzee. And so they were like, okay, we're going to keep, like, doing our little stick and probing around. They did that until about midnight, and they found another nine suspected grave sites. And so they were like, okay, this is all we can do. It's midnight. We can't see. Thomas J. can't see with those glasses. (laughs) Let's. Come back in the morning. So the next morning, they all came back, and another eight bodies were found in seven of the nine suspected graves. Good gosh. One was found in the well. Ew. And in that well, also, they found a bunch of different body parts. Ew. All but one of the bodies, their heads were all bashed in with hammers. And their throats cut. Mm. Um. And then the one of the newspaper articles of the time said that the bodies were indecently mutilated. Ooh. So I'm not sure exactly what that means. Genital mutilation. That's kind of what I was thinking, too. They also found the body of a young girl, and they there were no, like, you know, there were no of the none of the same injuries to her as far as, like, she didn't have a hammer beaten to, you know, to the head. She didn't have her throat cut. So they think that she was either strangled or buried alive. Oh, gosh. Please let her be strangled. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Oh. So the the Kansas newspapers at the time reported that the people who were there doing the searching were so pissed at this that nobody knew and all this. They were like, somebody had to have known. Somebody yeah. had to have been part of this. Like, they could not have gotten away with this on their own. And so they got one of the Bender's friends named Brockman. And he was just there kind of as one of the onlookers. They hung him up from a beam in the inn until he was unconscious. No. And then revived him to interrogate him. Oh, my gosh. To see what he knew. And then hanged him again and then revived him to interrogate him. After the third time they hanged him, they decided to just, okay, he didn't know anything. So he just they just let him go. And that, like the newspaper, the quote was that he staggered home as one who was drunken or deranged. Um, whoa. Yeah, because he had a fucking anoxic brain injury because you cut off his oxygen yeah. supply. Wow. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah, I think after like five minutes, there's brain damage or something, right? Yeah, I think so. So in the cabin, they found a Catholic prayer book. Oh, and, Lord. But... So, this just, it was, the notes that were written inside of it were written in German, and they don't really make a whole lot of sense because, again, we don't really know who they were, the benders, but the notes in the prayer book read, Joanna Bender, born July 30th, 1848, John Gebhardt came to America in on July 1st, 18, question mark, question mark. Wow. Big Slaughter Day, Jan 8th, and Hell Departed. What? Yeah. So Big n- Slaughter Day? Mm-hmm. Ew. Yeah, so nobody really knows what those mean. Oh, I know what Big Slaughter Day means. Yeah. So after the news spread about the cabin and the murders and all of that, 3,000... People, I mean, from all over the country, came to visit the Bender's cabin to see, like, what was up. The cabin, there were so many people that the cabin was destroyed because all these people were taking souvenirs. Like, everything down to, like, the bricks in the cellar. Damn, who are they? Zach Bacon? I know. And, like, the stones that were in the well and all that. So, like, the they completely destroyed... This, I mean, not that it was like this grand cabin, but like it's completely destroyed because of people wanting souvenirs. Yeah. Which it's like, it, I mean, it. they were kind of the OG murderinos, though, if you think about it. Yeah. Like, especially, you know, back then they didn't, they didn't have podcasts like this and stuff they could listen to. Yeah, you know what but, I mean? I mean, I'm all for going, but don't be taking shit. Yeah, no. I, yeah. That's bad. I mean, I wouldn't want it, but. But, I mean, it's kind of like us, though. You know, we want to know these stories. It's not because yeah, we're I like. Yeah, want to know. It's not because we're like, yeah, murder. But we're like, it's fascinating, you know. Yeah, but I'm not like, ooh, let me take a lock of your hair. Let me take blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, I'm talking about, like, stones and shit. You taking people's hair. <laughs> well, you know, I ain't got a lot of hair, so. Okay, so there were two awards, like, offered for the Bender's arrest. A senator and the governor Together offered three thousand dollars, ooh, which would in today's money be about sixty thousand dollars. Dang. Okay, so how do we think that the benders killed people? This is what we think. 
again, this is all conjecture because we have no fucking way of knowing. Okay. But so when travelers would come to the inn, again, this is speculation. I'm going to say it like it's real, but it's speculation. Take it with a grain of salt. So when people would come to the inn, they could, you know, like I said, buy dry goods and stuff. They could also sleep there or stay for dinner. When they would, when they would stay for day, stay for dinner, they would be given a guest of honor seat at the at the table. Oh shit! Which just happened to be positioned over the trap door. Oh my god! This is like that other thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That so that trap door led into the cellar. So what they think is, you remember how they? I told you they had that wagon canopy kind of mm-hmm. blocking it. So that seat of honor put the victims back to that canopy. Oh. So again, the the victims are sitting at the table over the trap door with their back to the curtain. They would get Kate to distract the the guests and then one of the bender men would be behind the curtain and hit him over the head. Oh, with the hammer. Why a hammer? I hate that. I hate Me that. Too. I hate that. Then one of the women would Cut would slit their throat just to make sure that they were dead. Oh, yeah, just for good measure. I mean, they're prepared. So then they would drop the body through the trap door. And then once the body was down in the cellar, they would strip it and bury it somewhere later on the property. Maybe mutilate it. Of course, some of the victims were, were wealthy. And that was, you know, a big part of this was to take money. Okay. Um... But sometimes, obviously, the travelers were poor, too. Yeah. And so for those, they say that they just killed for the thrill. Like wow. that they But that total through all their kind of killing spree there, they only got about $4,600 from travelers. And I think that's in that time money. So if you think about that 3000 being $60,000, we are talking maybe $80,000 in yeah. today's money. Wow. So, which is shit ton of money to me. Oh, for sure. But when you're talking murdering ten people, yeah, it's not a lot of money. So there were some people who had stayed at the Benders Inn that, through their stories, is how that kind of synopsis of um, what we think happened. So some people did survive. Yeah. So yeah, it's from their stories that they were able to kind of piece together what. What I just told you, what we think happened. Okay. Okay. So one of the people who got the hell out, William Pickering, <laughs> he said that he went, he stopped there. And when he went to dinner, he was like, I don't want to sit by the wagon cloth. It's got nasty stains on it. I don't want to, I don't want to sit there. Yeah. And that Kate Bender threatened him with a knife <gasps> and then he was able to run. So he was like, I didn't want to sit there. And so they got so pissed, they threatened me with a knife. Yeah. Then there was a Catholic priest who he said that he saw one of the Bender men standing behind the curtain, like, concealing a, a, a large hammer. He said that at that point he, like, got really uncomfortable. And so he was like, mm, deuces. I'm yeah. Out. Two men said that they traveled to the inn and that they had experienced Kate's psychic powers and so they decided to stay for dinner, but again, they refused to sit at the table next to the cloth because they said that they preferred to eat their meals just kind of standing at the shop counter. And that 
when they did that, Kate just became very abusive towards them. And then a little while after that, the two Bender men came from behind the cloth. And so they were like, oh, this is sketch. Yeah. I'm out too. Peace. There were more than a dozen bullet holes throughout the cabin. And so they think that that was some victims fighting back after they had been hit with the hammer. Damn. So after all this, the detectives are like, okay, well, clearly the benders are the people who have been killing these people. Mm -hmm. Mobs. We found nine bodies. And so they started following the wagon tracks of the benders. And they found the wagon, and it was abandoned. The poor horses were starving. (gasps) No. Um, One of the horses was injured. Um, That was just about 12 miles from the inn. So they were like, okay, well, they can't be too far, right? Well, they had bought some railroad tickets. So it said at Chanute, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, John and Kate, John Jr., and Kate got off the train to go south to Red River County. And from there, they went to an outlaw county that kind of bordered Texas and New Mexico. And that so from there, they were like, okay, we're not chasing them. Because the word on the street was that this outlaw county, anytime any law enforcement tried to go in that region to find people, they never came back. And Mm -mm. so, yeah, so they were like, okay, we're not even going to try to go Mm -mm. find them down there. And be like, oh, well, you made it. Congratulations. Have a good life. Yeah. You're probably going to get murdered there. (laughs) Um, So, again, there's a lot of speculation as to what happened to the benders after they fled. One of the – one detective said that he found John Jr. close to the border, but that he had died of a stroke. Some people say – I know. Some people say that Ma and Pa – senior in Elvira, never left that train when the kids, quote, kids got off, Mm -hmm. but that they went on up to Kansas City and then got tickets to St. Louis. Damn, that was also in my Yeah, yeah. What the hell? So there were a ton of, like, vigilante groups looking for the benders, because also keep in mind that they had this huge reward Mm -hmm. for whoever found them. Some vigilante groups say that they caught up with them and they shot and killed them all, except for Kate, and they burned her alive. Some stuff. Some vigilante groups say that they caught up to them and lynched them all before throwing them into the river. Some claim that they killed them in a gunfight and buried their bodies on the prairie, but no one ever claimed the $3,000. Mm-hmm. It's funny because, like, basically anytime there were two women traveling alone, they would be accused of being Kate and Kate Bender and her mom. Wow. So in 1884, an elderly man matching Bender Sr. had been arrested in Montana for a murder that was committed in Idaho, where a victim had been killed by being beat over the head with a hammer. And so they sent a message to the town, Cherryville, which is where they lived, and were like, hey, you know what? We think that this guy might be old Paul. Yeah. But the suspect that they had arrested, get this, severed his foot to escape (sighs) his leg irons. Damn, savage. And bled to death. Fuck. 
So by the time the deputies got there, they couldn't identify the body because it was too decomposed. Because, you I mean, you know, that travel back in yeah. 1870. And then, so, even though they couldn't positively identify it, they took that man's skull and, Ew. like, put it up in a saloon, being like, this is Paul <laughs> Bender. And that stayed there until Prohibition in the in 1920 forced that bar to close. Whoa. And then they don't know where. So someone has that skull Yeah, right somewhere. Now. So, okay, so you remember me saying the, the next-door neighbor that they had, like, hung to uh-huh. try to get information? They ended up arresting Addison Roach and his son-in-law, William Damn. Buxton, as accessories. So in total, there were, like, 12 different people who, quote, of bad repute in general— would be arrested for being involved. Whoa. But basically, they said, including Brockman, their friend, if you remember me talking about him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they were all like, finally, they were like, look, we have no evidence. We can't just convict these people because they were friends with them. And quite possibly, you know, news. we, ha- we have to have evidence. So we're not going to, we can't arrest these people. Yeah. However, their friend, Brockman, he was arrested later, like 23 years later, for rape and murder of his 18-year-old daughter. Oh. Oh. Twisted fuck. Yeah. So he was not Yeah. the neighborly. I mean, mm-hmm. didn't mean he had anything to do with the Bender's Bender. But, <laughs> but yeah, he was savage in his own right. Oh, God. I don't understand that. So on October 31st of 1889, it was reported that two women had been arrested in Niles, Michigan, several weeks earlier for robbery or larceny. Mm. After they were released because they were found not guilty, they were immediately rearrested for the Bender murders. So the, the Pittsburgh Pittsburgh Dispatch said that a daughter of one of the vendor's victims reported that those two women were actually Elvira and Kate. Yeah. And so two two witnesses from the town where the murders took place had a photograph of the women and said that, hey, that is them. Oh, shit. And so the kind of head detective Sheriff Leroy Dick, who... <laughs> he was a dick. He's the one who was, like, head of the search of the property and all that. He went to Michigan to see if those two women were yeah. them. Well, they... Why cor- do they call men dicks? Because they have them? I don't know. No, like detectives, like Moby Dick. No. Uh, um. <laughs> dick Tracy. I don't know. Oh, Ooh, that laugh. I don't know, Donna. Google it. <laughs> okay, sorry. You said, because they have... I love this. This woman is my spirit animal. The one, of the one of the women that was, like, rearrested after the larceny, she said, like, she, like, when they came to arrest her, she was like, I will not be taken alive. And then was like, okay, I'll go. <laughs> Do I get free food and naps? Naps sign me up. <laughs> so... One of the women was like, okay, okay, I'm not Elvira, but she's Kate. Damn. And the other one was like, I'm not Kate. She's Elvira. Oh, Lord. And so 
it was just this whole big thing. They had this kind of 13-member panel to figure out if they were actually them. So like a jury? Yeah, but but <laughs> it was more like a, is, is that them? Not did yeah. they do it kind of jury. So seven people of the panel were like, yeah, that's them. But there weren't enough people to actually, you know, they didn't know for yeah. sure. And so... It just kind of fizzled out. Like nothing came of it. Like, what? like it. It truly probably wasn't them. Like uh, they were trying to save themselves by like blaming the other one. Yeah. But I really don't think that was them. Uh. And there's more details about like the those women and their that whole escapade. But it's too many names and not that important. Okay. But basically, those women were were criminals who did have a history of, you know, all these things, but it's seriously doubted that they were the benders. Okay. So to this day, we know nothing. What? We do not know what happened to the benders. We do not know where they went. They could all still be alive. They're not, because obviously that was 1870. (laughs) But, yeah, we have no idea. Yeah. For you to hate endings like this? I know. This is a huge one. Yeah. Okay, so... What I do want to say is there is a connection to Little House on the Prairie. What? So, but okay. In Little House on the Prairie, the Ingalls lived near Independence, which is where kind of all this okay. actually took place. Is that Night John Boy? Yeah. Okay. So, Laura Ingalls Wilder mentioned the Bender family in her writings and speeches. In the... Like it's called the little house, um, a little house sampler. She mentions stopping at the inn as well as recounting the rumors of the murders. Dang. Yeah, and that they it's alleged like she alleged that her father joined the vigilante hunt for the killers. Wow. Yep. So, okay. So including all of the body parts that were never matched to bodies. They think that there were 20-plus victims. Holy fuck. Yeah. The bodies that... The victims that they were able to identify were, uh, I guess, given back to the families. But the ones that they never knew, they just... They reburied them. Gosh. Like a quick rundown of some of the victims. Okay. Mr. Jones, his body was found in Drum Creek. Then there were two unidentified men found on the prairie with their skulls crushed and their throats slit. Mm. Ben Brown, he was buried in the apple orchard. They got $2,600 off of him, which would be like $53,000 now. How do Uh, they know how much money they got off of each other? I guess from the like family's reports of what they had, I would assume. Yeah. W.F. McCrotty. He, they got $38 off of him and a wagon and a team of horses. Damn. But that $38 would be like $776 now. Fuck. Yeah. Henry McKenzie, $36 off of him. Same thing. Team of horses missing. Another man, Johnny Boyle, $850. That would be like $17,000 today. And a saddle. They got a saddle from him. Hey, big spender. They say that William York had about $1,900 on him, which would be about 
almost 39,000 now. Shit. And then there were, again, a bunch of different, like, unidentified men. That's not everybody, but I just, because I thought it was interesting to see, like, how much yeah. money they actually got, which, again, is a lot of money. Mm-hmm. It's not, but it is. Not for murder, but Not yeah. for 20-plus potential bodies. Yeah. Not. You, I mean, millions. I mean, not saying kill anybody, but I'm saying, yeah. like, it's like when you hear about murders. That somebody was robbed and murdered and they got, like, a dollar off of it. Yes, you know what I mean? like the banks and the gas station attendants. Yeah, and it's like, it, no one ever deserves to be murdered or does any monetary value justify a murder. Right. But when it's small, you're like, really? Yes. They had to die over that. Right. Especially, like, when that's not the first thing. Like, okay, I'm going to rob you. I only have $46. And then they're like... Bam, I'm going to kill you. Like, that's not even grand larceny. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to be okay with that. Yeah. You could probably plead that down and be fine. Yeah. You well, know? Well, you know what no, I mean. No, because if you had a weapon. True. But, I mean, you know, like, but then, hey, let's go kill them. Yeah. But, yeah. So, that is the, they call them the bloody benders. Damn. Do you remember me asking you that? The other, a couple of episodes ago you were doing something and it was like a cabin or a family and i was like are you doing the bloody benders and you were like no that's what this is who these people are oh was it the basilica maybe Velisca, not basilica maybe every time i want to say that Velisca axe murder house or whatever yeah yeah i think so actually oh yeah i've never heard of them i think my favorite murder did an episode on this i think but i I couldn't tell you when or what yeah. or what hmm. they said. I don't freaking remember anything. <laughs> Damn. But yeah, that's it. They got away with murder. Yep. Lots of murder. I just want to know what happened to them. I want to know who they are. Like, were they swingers? What, you know, were they a family? I think it's safe to say they were not a family. Or did they live as a family, I should say. They lived as a family. But, I mean, for real, for real. Oh, yeah. To the outside, sure, they lived as a family. But But on the inside? Yeah. You want to know what they did behind closed doors? Yeah, behind that wagon canvas. Yeah. You know, I mean, because there's one thing of being like, okay, ma. Yeah. And then you get behind there and being like, you fucking bitch, Elvira, blah, 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 blah. You know? Like, I want to know that. You know, and my thing, too, is, again, how do these people find each other, too? Uh, like, right? If they're not family, and how do you, how do you, like, how do you even broach that conversation to be like, I kind of want to kill somebody, you yeah. know? Well, they're probably grifters, and then the senior is like, look, this is how we can get them. And then it builds off of there, and it's like, we're just going to get their money. Yeah. And then it's like, One okay, thing leads to another. Yeah. But they can get us on this and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I wonder if she really had powers or not. I don't know. I mean, probably not, but like. I don't know. She may, though. If it was enough for it to, like, be a draw yeah. to the end. I mean, something. Ha- I mean, some people had to be experiencing something. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'll never understand that when people are like. We need to do a search next week. It's like, um, you know people are going to hide shit. Yeah. 
like, come on, you got to be like, we need to do a search. And everyone who's there doesn't know that it's happening right now. Yeah. Like, that's how shit needs to go down. Well, now, yes. Yeah, I know, I know. It was 1870. And... Um, um, back then, they had no laws, really. I so know, they but they were... That. But they... But the putting the pieces and the communication and the getting the yeah. amount of people that you need when it's so sparsely populated and, you know, it, you, you can't. You couldn't have. Yeah. Now... Also, in that situation, the weather was a factor. Yeah. So, but anyway, so that's it. That's all we've got today. You want to do our what we learned? Okay, yeah. You start it off. Donna hates a story without an ending. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Okay. No. I still can't get over, sorry. I still can't get over that both of our stories had spiritualists. Both of our stories had Catholic priests. Both of our stories said something about St. Louis. Mm -hmm. It was something else. I can't remember. But how did we even do that? I have no idea. Because we don't tell each other what, what stories we're doing no. beforehand. That's Isn't that crazy. crazy? Okay. One thing I learned is from this and from the one I did before the old Charleston jail mm-hmm. with uh, what's her name and what's his name. Yeah. Don't trust people. Like if you go into a bed and breakfast or whatever and it seems weird like how she would be like. Asking them all questions about yeah their shit yeah. and here's some drink you know whatever and these people are like here eat with us sit sit right here no not there right here yeah like if it feels weird it is weird yes be on your guard get the hell out trust your do gut. something because something's up yes I don't know if you ring on it. Because something is up. Abso-freaking-lutely. Take your own bed sheets. Take your own food to places you're going to sleep. You take yours, your own? No, I'm telling other people. Oh, okay. Do as she says, not as she does. Yeah. I'm too freaking lazy to do that. But, I mean, it is gross when you think about it. I don't it. want to. Because I love a hotel and you can't run it for me. <laughs> okay. Number two. Don't play with a fucking Ouija board. Oh, God. Yes. That's a good one. Do not, do not, do not. Also, do not think, this is also like number two, part B. Yeah. Um, To B. (laughs) To B or not to B. Sorry. Just don't be like, okay, if you're the ghost of Carrie, knock three times and it knocks and they're like, okay, it's just Carrie. You know, um, ghosts don't have to tell you who they are. Especially demons. They're going to be like, oh, yeah, we're your Aunt Tilly. Knock, knock, knock. Yeah. And then they're like praying on your soul. Right. Or they're like episode three, Walls and Dolls, Danny LaPlante Mm -hmm. or whatever. Hiding in your fucking walls. uh He's like, oh, yeah. Knock, knock. (laughs) Yeah, I'm your mom. And then I'm your mom in the wedding dress. And I'm going to kill your dad. Okay, number three. Watch out for bees that fly up your shirt. Because <laughs> they'll sting your tummy. Oh, shit. So is that really number three? It can be. I can't think of anything else. Can you? I like that your story had an ending, a happy ending. Yeah. I know. That's crazy, right? Okay, so three, we only want to have happy endings from here on out. Um, so that's the end of the podcast. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, if you want a happy ending, go to a massage parlor. <laughs> 
how you, how you know I like, haven't been. Okay. No, I'm kidding. Three kind of goes along with your two and two B and one. <laughs> but don't take things at face value. Yeah. Because, I mean, again, like you said, like with the knocking and stuff. But, you know, they believe that this, I mean, why? because why would a family be lying about being a family? But they also, you know, believe that she didn't speak English and all these things. Yeah. And she did. And so, I don't know. When you, when someone is, I don't know, trust your gut. I was going to say, just trust your gut because we all feel it mm-hmm. when we're real hungry. Or is that just me? I'm always hungry. Same. So, yes. To sum up, trust your gut. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get get scared. scared.